This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. When you're laid up and hospital bound and, you know, for me, then even discharged from the hospital, uh, wheelchair bound, it was a while before I could, you know, then you're using a walker and getting around. I mean, yeah, it is. It's, you're wondering if you're ever going to be able to, to walk again. The outcome, range of outcomes that the doctors are telling you at that point is so wide and great. I mean, that amputation still wasn't off the table, uh, was still a potential possibility, even having gone through so many surgeries to try and save my leg. So I'd be lying if I said fear the entire time wasn't, wasn't in the back of your head and, and you're doing the best you can to not let it overcome you but a lot of days you're wondering what, what, what your life's going to be like that's alex smith i saw a tweet on alex smith yesterday promoting tonight's e60 episode or i think it's uh, revolves around e60 but they're going to tell the alex smith story yeah and i didn't even know how to react to it you okay over there yeah we're good <laughs> sorry <laughs> Go on as you were, my bad. <laughs> you were, uh, I was, I was dude, the phone was beating was, you, and I was kind of watching. Yeah, man, I was watching an Alex Jones clip, and all of a sudden, yeah, I was watching crazy. the phone defeat you. It was yeah. quite, kind of fun. Panic but, mode. Uh, the Alex Smith stuff, I was, I was looking at this thing, and they were showing like just how bad his leg was and the amputation part that could happen in his life was yeah. on the line because of infection. And if you go, they show the pictures, and during this little two minute clip to promote the episode tonight, and it's like, wow. And I didn't know what to tweet. Like, I wanted to kind of help promote it for at least just say, wow, check this out tomorrow. I didn't even know what to really say. I don't know. Is it incredible? It's amazing that it got to that. Like, you're talking about a football injury mm-hmm. to a to a foot, to a leg, you know, lower leg that almost resulted in a guy dying. Yeah, man. You know, and at the very, if you don't want to be that dramatic, I guess we'll find out a little bit more tonight just how close to that. But definitely, like, amputation was in play. I mean, that is just, it's so unique, I think, uh, for, we've seen the the head injuries, right? We've seen the neck injuries. Those mm-hmm. are dramatic, and those you kind of know what could happen. We see gruesome leg in, lower leg injuries. From, what, what's his name from the Celtics, you know, when he, uh, uh oh, um, Gord, um, Gordon, Aaron Gordon, Gordon, Hayward. No, no, Gordon Hayward. Hayward. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was gross, well, right? I mean, Zach Miller is one that comes to mind for Zach me. Because and, and again, that was a very severe one, Paul too. George, too. His, yeah. uh, for the, uh, USA team. Remember, they did the practice. That's right. So, yeah, with Zach Miller, man, um, I remember texting him like three days before it happened because he was showcasing his shoes that he had. It was around Halloween, so he had like the, the Mike Meyer. Zach Miller's a big Mike Myers ha- Halloween fan, like diehard. Like really? he used to come to the stadium like during like October with the, the the Halloween mask. No one asked him to do that. Just did it. Okay. <laughs> Nobody so, asked him. So, so he had, the, he had the, the Mike Myers cleats, man. So I'm like, dude, you know, those cleats are crazy, man. Those are so you. And then a couple of days later, I'm watching, because, you know, obviously I, I just came from getting cut from the Bears, so I was following the team and everything. And he's in New Orleans, if I remember correctly. And he goes up, you know, for catches a touchdown and comes down on it. And it's a play you've seen a million times. And when he comes down... Yeah, it's just it, he lands wrong, and it's the angle or whatever it was, and all of a sudden he's fighting to keep his leg, man. Now all of a sudden it's not about football anymore. It's about keeping your leg, you know, yeah. and unfortunately that injury that he suffered, um, that was his career. You know, like he, he he never got to lace him up again because of that gruesome injury. Now Alex Smith, you know, we'll see what happens with him, but it, it just – it's crazy, man, right? Because you, you sign up for it, right? You, you sign up for possibly, you know, the, the, the head injuries down the line. You sign up for all this stuff in football. But the last thing that ever crosses your mind that you're going to lose your leg, 
You know, like you can lose your life. Like, yeah, I understand it's it's a violent and dangerous sport, and that can cross your mind. You know, when you get those foot, when you get those shoulder pads, but you never contemplate losing your life. Oh, you know, over a game. Um, so I, I'm definitely checking out this Alex Smith documentary, man, because I'm, I'm I'm curious to see it. Um, obviously, a guy that I spent some time with in Kansas City. Um, you know, I've told this story before. My very first day in Kansas City, eating at the lunch table, and I'm like the new kid in school. You know, it's always a sucky feeling because you don't really know that many people, and you know, you got to get out there and quote unquote make new friends. You know, uh, make new teammates. And Alex Smith, one of the first guys to come up to me, sit down right next to me, and talk to me. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? So we started talking. It wasn't because you know he was trying to be friendly or anything. I mean, he was a friendly guy. Don't get me wrong, but he wanted to know who's on his team now, right? Because it was Alex Smith's team, and he wanted to know the type of guy that they were bringing in. So it goes to show you the type of character that Alex Smith has. And um, like I said, I'm excited to watch this whole thing going through adversity with him. Well, listen, I want you to share a little bit more about that. I mean, because you were teammates with the guy, but from the yeah. outside, okay, Alex Smith is this guy that plays under Urban Meyer at Utah. Mm-hmm. He's a number one draft pick. He actually comes across, and, and stop me if I'm wrong, but I feel this way. I'm not saying I felt this way, but I feel like the public felt almost like kind of Rogers comes across a little bit at times, almost diva-like, not very likable. Mm. Yeah. People love Aaron Rodgers because he's unbelievable at football. Correct. But stop that for a second and just say, you know, Rodgers feels a little different as a quarterback. You might like him or not because of some of the things he says, kind of the way you perceive him. That's what I'm getting at. And I feel like Alex Smith had a little bit of that to him as well, right? I mean, is yeah, that no, fair? You know, yeah, you know, and it, it's funny because talking to Alex with, I mean, he was probably – now that I look back on my career, man, he was probably the most easygoing, laid-back quarterback that you're ever going to meet off the field. You know, like when he was on the field, it was his team, you know, and, and, and people rallied around him. And with Alex Smith, to me, he always got a bad reputation because what was the word, what was the, the term that he even told me he couldn't stand? Uh, I know Andy Reid couldn't stand it. I know a lot of game people manager. It was a game manager. Yeah. You know, and... Um, that's something that's kind of always followed his career a little bit, right? Well, guess what, man? If you got Jamal Charles in the backfield, if you have Andy Reid calling the shots, to me, you're more than a game manager, okay? Like, yeah, you have to follow the system, but technically, Brent, everyone's a game manager. Jared Goff, game manager. Drew Brees, game manager. You know, like, they follow the script. Like, someone's telling them what to do, and then they, they go out and do it. Now, yeah, there's audibles here, like Peyton Manning asking all that stuff. So there is some improv but, like, I never considered Alex Smith just a game manager. You know, that's something that's always followed his thing. But I'm telling the person off the field, though, Brent, he was a cool guy. And, and that's coming from me who, listen, I play on the defensive side of the ball, all right? You don't really talk to the quarterbacks that much. You don't really run into the quarterbacks that much. But for whatever reason, Alex Smith always made himself available. He always made sure that he was hanging out with the defensive guys, too. I mean, it, it, was, a, it was a camaraderie. It was a brotherhood with Alex Smith. Well, here's the deal on Alex Smith, too. Like, here's why he's listed as a game manager along the way. and yeah. it's, uh, However you want to define it, but this is why it was labeled that mm-hmm. way. Because in a, in a world where you do have the Brett Favre's and the Aaron Rodgers and the Peyton Manning's throwing 50 touchdowns, Tom Brady throwing 50 touchdowns. Remember now, this is 2008, 2009, that's, well, that's when he's playing. Mm-hmm. And he, in that time, is throwing 16 touchdowns, 18 touchdowns, 14, 17, 13. His high in his career was 26 in that really good year in Kansas City mm-hmm. before he went to Washington. He only eclipsed 20 touchdowns three times in his career. So 
He wasn't this throw-it-all-over-the-yard guy, and so therefore you get labeled as a game manager. Well, you either get labeled as a guy who can throw it all over the yard, yeah. a game manager, or a guy who turns it over all the time. And you can have 30 touchdowns, but it doesn't matter because you have 22 picks. And listen, like I said, it helps having a guy by the name of Jamal Charles. People sleep on Jamal Charles, man. There was a time... In fantasy football, or just, oh, just in, in just in the league he's in general, the most electric guy in the he league. He was one of the he was the best, if not like the second best running back in the entire football. I in think per touch, he was the best guy yeah. going. I, I'm exactly. Sure. So when you have that at your disposal, well, but of course you're not going to be passing the ball every single play because you got a dynamic running back in the backfield. You know, it's it's interesting. People have asked the question in the last couple of days. Andy Dalton, would you take that career? Uh, I think it was John Shipley from uh, Sports Illustrated uh, writes for them. Uh, he, he asked, would you take the career of Andy Dalton for Gardner Minshew? Mm. You look at it, it's nine seasons, it's three Pro Bowls, holds every record well, in well, franchise it, history. Here's a real question. How many playoffs has he been to? Four. Is it four or five? Four? Four. But he I won no games. That's what the thing well, is. Does it? People, Brent, people in this city would kill for playoff appearances right now. But you're right, okay. the consistency, the right? Consistency. To, to exactly. Put you in the consistency, right? The consistency. He wants the playoffs four years in a row. Well, okay. And that's what I'm saying then. So would you see a lot of people, the maybe, I don't no, know if it's I, a younger I, crowd or not, but the most, our recent memory says Alex Smith hurt, but before that, MVP kind of year with Kansas City. Well, if you look in totality at his career, people aren't going to list Alex Smith as one of the great QBs. I'm not sure they're going to label him as a bust, as a number one pick, but they're not going to say, oh, yeah, that's why he was the number one pick, greatest no, guy, didn't correct. win, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But when you go back and take a lot of his production, mm-hmm. is a fair question to ask now in hindsight for Alex Smith. And I think, well, you definitely take that last year in San Francisco. Remember, they went to the Super Bowl last year, that year. Colin Kaepernick ends up coming in. Yeah. And Alex Smith had the concussion. Mm-hmm. And then his last year in Kansas City was his finest year as a pro. He had really developed. And at the same time, he was mentoring, yeah, to a degree, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So you're asking, would I take that? Yeah, you would know? you take and those guys' careers for a Gardner Minshew listen, right now? Would you sign up for that? You would, you would take the consistency. Okay, You would take four playoff appearances in a row. Because that shows me, you know what? Is he the best quarterback in the league? No. Is he even maybe a top five quarterback in the league? Eh, probably not. But guess what, Brent? He's top ten. And if you give a top ten quarterback tools, if you give a top ten quarterback a defense that has his back, you can be successful. You can go to the playoffs, and you can win a Super Bowl. Okay? So with that being said, I would absolutely take that in a heartbeat, hoping that they obviously build around him and provide him with talent to succeed. Yeah, and maybe a little bit more talent like he had in Kansas City when he had his finest moment. And, of course, a Super Bowl team in San Francisco that even Kaepernick was able to come into mm-hmm. and, uh, and and perform well. I shouldn't say even Kaepernick, but I'm just saying Kaepernick was able to lead him there because of not only Kaepernick, but also around everybody around him mm-hmm. um, to that Super Bowl against the Baltimore Ravens, which the Ravens ended up winning. Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Coos here on a Friday, 515. Uh, we are going to continue to celebrate uh, Jags fans and the Bold City Brigade. We're bringing the brigade. We have a little big cat country moment coming up in about 15 minutes. So, Alex Smith, this story will run tonight. It, it, it's fascinating because there's one other part I wanted to ask about it. You played a violent game. Mm-hmm. You almost know at some point you're going to deal with something from an injury. I mean, heck, you deal with something every week. But I'm talking major. 
you know, something yeah. that probably eliminated for you was a labrum. Right? Well, it was a list break, actually, list for me. Break. Yeah. But the labrum was first, I thought. Yeah, labrum you? was first. And, I mean, yeah, that, that's just pretty standard surgery. But, like, the list but break was a nightmare. But you time with the labrum. You know, I did, yeah. I missed, I mean... Half a season. Half a season. Yeah, yeah. So you know that. I mean, it's just part of it. I mean, it's yeah. gonna. Ha- it's really hard to stay healthy throughout. <laughs> a lot of that's luck. People will say, "Hey, he's really durable." Well, he's also real lucky. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? man. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there is a durability part. No, there right? is, Your man, but a lot of it is definitely luck. Yeah. So what I'm really trying to ask is, is there a level of injury that frustrates you more than others? See, it's it's a, you don't want a concussion, but if you get knocked out or you really hurt yourself. Uh, maybe it's a, you know, not you're not getting paralyzed, but you hurt your neck and you can't play anymore or something like that. It's almost like, I don't want to say it's a badge of honor, but it's like that's part of the game. You hurt your foot, yeah. and it's like, well, that shouldn't end my career. I hurt yeah. my foot. Well, especially you know what I mean? being called a Liz Frank injury. Is, is, is there anything more feminine than a Liz Frank? Like, call it something better than that. Call it something more masculine, like, you know, a broken, t- something like that, like a broken F4 or something. Liz Frank, like, you know, I'm telling my friends what happened, dude. Uh, I did him out for a couple weeks, Liz Frank. And they just laughed at me, like, suck it up and go play. I'm like, I wish I could. Yeah. Um, you're absolutely right. You Do know, people like, get more frustrated is, with that. Like, was Marquise Lee really frustrated over the years because it's a calf injury? And people well, are like, come on, man, it's a calf injury. Well, you know what? When you're a racehorse and you have a calf injury, that's tough. So it is a frustrating thing because keep in mind, and I dealt with this problem, you know, a little bit with my shoulder surgery, is they prep you a lot for the NFL, okay? And they prep you what to expect and all that. But what nobody told us at the Rookie Symposium, what no vet ever told me until I experienced it firsthand, was the trials and tribulations of being an IR. Because essentially, you're not making all your money, which that's fine. You're still making a lot of money, you know, still getting paid for the Jacksonville Jaguars, whatever team you're playing on. But you're not part of the team. So essentially, what you do is you go do treatment, you get in, get out, and then you go home. So you watch the games on TV, or if it's the home game, you can go to the game. But you see these guys on TV, and... You see the interviews, and they're having success, but you're not a part of that. Even though coaches or whoever can say, oh, yeah, he's still part of our team, you're not. Okay, because you're not sitting in meetings. You're not on the practice field. You're essentially just this guy who used to play for the team who's now at home getting paid to sit at home. And it's kind of a a weird situation to be in. And, um, you know, at least from my standpoint, like you feel a little, I guess, guilty for still getting paid because you're not doing anything. So it's just it's just a whole form of mental gymnastics that a lot of guys, I think, go through in terms of IR. But to get back to your question here of like, do you wear them as badges of honor, you know, depending on the injury? I would say yes, right? Like shoulder injuries, things like that, stingers. How as many here. surgeries you yes, have? Exactly. I mean, there are kind of badges of honor. But then you talk to the other extreme, and I've told this story before, too, but what really kind of opened my eyes a little bit, because I've always been kind of like Superman, right? Like, I've always kind of felt like, you know what, nothing's going to hurt me. Like, it's still a game at the end of the day. Yeah, the guys are bigger, the guys are faster, but guess what, man? So am I. I'm going to play forever, man. Like, I'm not worried about injuries. The only time that I was ever really worried about an injury, and keep in mind, I saw Aaron Campman tear his ACL twice in practice. I saw Aaron Campman just run a hoop drill and tear his ACL. I saw Aaron Campman do a one-on-one drill the next year and tear his ACL. Hmm. That didn't scare me. The only time I was ever actually wholeheartedly, and I'm, I'm sure to whatever it is, the only time I was actually scared and questioned, like, Austin, what are you doing right now, is when we played in Indianapolis. I forgot what year it was. I remember 2011, and Austin Collie got his final concussion. 
And Austin Collie comes across the middle. Daryl Smith smokes him. Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning let him there. Peyton Manning didn't see Daryl Smith. And I remember being on the sideline thinking, like, oh, Daryl Smith's about to kill this dude. That's what I thought. Daryl Smith hits Austin Collie. And keep in mind, it's Austin Collie. So he's probably had about five, six concussions. He's got a visor on, so you can't see his eyes. Hits Austin Collie. Austin Collie immediately goes limp and falls over. And I'm about 10 yards maybe 15 yards away from the play. I'm on the sideline. Obviously, the stadium goes quiet, and I just hear Austin Collie snoring. I, I hear him wheezing, and I hear him snoring. I'm literally 15 yards away from the guy, and I can hear him, and he's not moving. So I was like, okay, well, th- this guy's dead then. And he was down for a while, man. And I remember just taking a knee, you know, praying that he's okay, thinking like, man, like what what have I got myself into? It was the first time ever, the first time ever in my career of all – Playing football when Austin Collie got KO'd, I think for his last time, where I was like, "Man, this game, uh, I don't know." <laughs> it's yeah. the only time I ever questioned it. Yeah, I, remember, I mean, you said that a couple. You've shared that story yeah. about Austin Collie, and it's a. I would imagine for every player, there's an injury like that. Mm-hmm. That kind of happens. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm going to shift to something. I'm not not going to get carried away with this topic. Okay, this mm-hmm. is not meant to say, "Oh gosh, let's just say something." to incite everybody it, it really isn't i'm just being as honest as i can be with you that and you know i've said this for a couple of days we just haven't brought it up because i needed at least a couple minutes and we didn't have it at the time yeah and it, i just had this random thought the other day about colin kaepernick yeah and the i don't even know why it came to my mind but it was totally a random thought and the thought about it was this tom coughlin kind of squashed Colin Kaepernick coming to Jacksonville back in, I think, 2017 when asked about it. Mm -hmm. Didn't really elaborate much on it, if I remember correctly, but squashy idea of it. And obviously nothing materialized. What was interesting, though, is prior to that, I believe, I I don't know which came first, but right around that time, Shad Khan, the Jaguars owner, Mm -hmm. did not squash it. Said he'd be open to it. Mm-hmm. Said he'd be open to it, I think, if his football folks recommended it. Well, that led back to, okay, well, it's not going to happen because Tom Coughlin's doing the recommending, and he doesn't think it's a good fit right now mm-hmm. for whatever reasons. Didn't want the drama, didn't want, didn't think he's good enough quarterback, didn't want that kind of competition. Well, what's changed in the last few months? Mm-hmm. Tom Coughlin's not making those decisions. How does Dave Caldwell feel about it? Mm-hmm. How does Doug Marone feel about it? Doesn't matter. How does Shad Khan feel about it now that he might be a shade more involved in the football decisions than before? Mm -hmm. And so I'm just being completely honest with you. That's the random thought. I don't have a heavy opinion on, oh, if they don't get Andy Dalton and Dalton goes to New England, are they going to bring Colin Kaepernick in here? That's not really the intent of the discussion. Mm -hmm. I just wonder if the Jacksonville door on Kaepernick could be open with Coughlin not here. And I don't know if it was strictly Coughlin. He's the one that was answering those questions. Yeah. But let's just assume it was. And based off what Shad Khan had said, now listen, a lot of years has passed, have passed. They've got Minshew. They're ready to roll with him. I'm of not, like I said, I'm not suggesting this. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was, it was very, it, it was interesting enough for me to bring it up because I wonder how the Jags feel about that. How would they feel midseason? And you know what actually got me thinking about it? When they redid the contract at Norwell, 
I was like, what the heck are they saving two and a half million dollars for? If the cat, like, who cares? They don't need to. Yeah. And that's what kind of got me thinking about, well, they made that Marcel Darius move. What if they wanted to make a move? What kind of moves could they make? And I was all over the place with it, but my thoughts ended up going back to Kaepernick on it. And, uh, I mean, could the Jags be open to that if the scenario played out where they needed a quarterback, wanted a quarterback, wanted something different? Would they allow that opportunity? So, yeah, I mean, it's, listen, it's, it, it warrants asking the question with Tom Coughlin being gone now. <clears throat> to me, this is Shad Khan's call, okay? I, I'm not sure how Dave Caldwell feels about Colin Kaepernick. <clears throat> not really sure how Doug Marone feels about Colin Kaepernick. And to me, that doesn't really matter, because if Shad Khan wants Colin Kaepernick here, he'll have Colin Kaepernick here. End of story. I think with Colin Kaepernick and the Jacksonville Jaguars right now, I think it comes down to it comes down to more of his ability on the field than the distractions that it could warrant. Okay, I don't think Shad Khan is really worried about if he was to bring Colin Kaepernick in, how the outside football world may perceive that, how even the the community, the city of Jacksonville, may perceive that. Okay, like I mean, I don't know Shad Khan personally. I've talked to him a couple times. I have a pretty good idea of the type of guy that he is. And I think that if he felt like Colin Kaepernick could play football for this team, he would bring him in. Bad optics aside, okay? Um, the question is, does he fit the mold right now? Does he fit the Jacksonville Jaguars? And you can make an argument and say, well, you know what? They have Gardner Minshew. Um, they just drafted a backup quarterback in Luton. Uh, Luton? 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 Oh, I'm going to get it right eventually, fine. Luton. Um, you know, they spent a fifth-round draft pick on another quarterback in Joshua Dobbs. And all things considered, Andy Dalton's kind of slated to possibly be here. It makes more sense. It makes more sense. <clears throat> so uh, off the top of my head, do I, can I foresee Kaepernick getting a shot in Jacksonville? Not anytime soon. But I'll say this, though. And I get every owner's different, and I get that GMs, and, you know, and they all, whatever, they all have their opinions on them, okay? And what I'm about to say is probably going to rub some people the wrong way. Don't really care. Um, I think at the end of the day, the game of the you know the game, the game of football number one, but the NFL for sure. Whether you're a coach, a GM, a player, the goal is to win. Okay, the the goal is to hoist that Lombardi Trophy and win a championship. So with that being said, I see Taysom Hill get a new contract. What's his uh, what's his completion percentage? Yeah, I get it. Taysom Hill plays tight end. He's on special teams, things like that. Colin Kaepernick is more of just a traditional quarterback. I can't really foresee him playing the H back or things like that. But in terms of a dynamic person. That's where the NFL is going right now. We always talk about these dual-threat guys. We talk about these Deshaun Watsons. We talk about these uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, we, we talk about, you know, Lamar Jackson. These are the new breed of characters, okay? Not saying, once again, Colin Kaepernick is in the, the stratosphere of those quarterbacks. But what I am saying is is that Colin Kaepernick could come to a team and offer a different wrinkle. He could offer a defensive coordinator trying to plan against him more fits. So with that being said, if the goal is to win a championship – and you have it on your team to do that, why wouldn't you at least work him out to see? Okay? Now, once again, I understand people are going to disagree with me. The optics, the optics, all this stuff, what's it going to say about your franchise? Don't really care. Care about winning a championship. Care about winning a Lombardi trophy. And I think if you're a team in the NFL who is lacking that dual threat guy, who's lacking that kind of different kind of piece, then why not give Kaepernick at least a workout to see if he still has? Well, and that's exactly the context I thought it could come in, if any, is yeah. that new role that everybody wants. I mean, heck, they just drafted um, 
uh, Jalen Hurts in yeah. Philadelphia to kind of give him that role. Exactly. You know, Sean Payton saying, I invented this role for Taysom Hill. Yeah. And now people will what? Copy. Yeah. And they'll co- now, would uh, Kaepernick be willing to do that role? That's always been a question mark about Kaepernick, you know? Much like it was with Tebow. Does he want to move around? Will he just want to be quarterback? Has anybody he- asked him, though? I don't know. Yeah. The, the one thing, here's why I say I answer my own question with no, it won't happen. And this is really the reason why, to me, is they have been so adamant that they don't want drama. Well, sure. it's undeniable, and not necessarily even just Kaepernick-wise who could bring it in, but the everything around it will be drama. You can't sit here and tell me I don't want drama, don't want drama, don't want drama, and then bring in Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just, I, again, it was a random thought I had. And you wonder if the door is open at some juncture to at least, like you said, work it out, give it a try, see if it could work in Jacksonville. Something that the door had been slammed shut over the last few years on. When we come back, Big Cat Country, what's it all about? How did it get going? Break it down. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're celebrating the Jags fans, and we do it next right here. The thing about Cam really is the situation. You know, we're in a situation where we've got two really young quarterbacks, um, one that's been with us, been in the system, understands how we want things done, and the other one's a guy that was taken last year in the first round that shows some promise. If you go back and break Dwayne down, you see a lot of positive things. I think with Cam, and, and I have thought about it. I mean, it's something that's, that has run through my mind. And it's about the situation and circumstances. I'm not sure if, if I would do it. I'm not sure if I wouldn't do it. It's just, again, depends on circumstances. That's Ron Rivera, Washington Redskins coach. And I think it probably says a lot to other teams about the Cam Newton situation. If he's not running up to sign Cam Newton and he coached him in Carolina, I'm not saying that makes Cam out to be bad guy, but maybe just the health stuff, the mm-hmm. concerns. Why isn't Ron Rivera bring, he brings Kyle Allen in? Instead yeah. of Cam Newton, uh, which just doesn't add up. Uh, and a lot of teams are, are still shying away from Cam Newton, it looks like. Hey, we've been uh, celebrating Jags fans. We celebrate local sports here in the last month and a half or so. We're going to continue to do it all summer long. A lot of teams to hit on. Uh, and we thought this was a cool time to celebrate Jags fans. And we bring in the brigade, the Bold City Brigade. And kind of under that umbrella is Big Cat Country. And you probably follow the site if you follow the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the man behind the site, I think, at least that's who I give credit to, is Alfie Crow. He joins us now at Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. What's up, man? Uh, not a whole lot. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing, doing great. Good. Uh, all right. So are you the – here's what I want to know. I'm going to ask you why you're such a big in, in the on the cooking stuff, but I'll get to that later. What – what has been your role with Big Cat Country, and I identify you with Big Big Cat Country. Is that correct? Uh, for the most part. I did not start the website, but I have run the website now for like 75% of its, its existence. So it was originally started back in 2006 by a guy named Chris Harris, who um, – he used to actually, like, when SB Nation was in its infancy, it had, like, five team sites, and they were just kind of like a collaboration of different team fans and all that. And he used to write about the Jaguars on the Colt site, and they were like, hey, why don't we just give you your own site uh, for the Jaguars? And he kind of grew it from there, and I'd helped start another site called uh, Jag Nation. Uh, Cap was part of that. Uh, that's when we first met. 
Um, and then when I got done running that, Chris was trying to, he couldn't, you know, didn't have time for the side anymore. Um, it didn't pay a whole lot, but I was super passionate about it. So I was like, hey, I'll do it. And since 2010, basically, I've been uh, running and managing everything on Big Cat Country. Alfie Crow with us, Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. I was going to ask you, is it more labor of love for everybody that's a part of it? Uh, or Ryan Day, we've had Demetrius Harvey, who writes uh, for uh, for it as well, on uh, a couple of times. The Is it labor of love stuff, or do people get into it kind of looking like, okay, we can make some money off it? Uh, thankfully, I did a pretty good job of growing it, and it, it's uh, now it makes pretty good money. Um, so I'm able to hire people to, you know, like Demetrius, like Ryan Day, to help me out with stuff on the site. So um, luckily, I was able to grow a hobby and a passion into something that pays the bills. That's good. Good. Hey, what's up, Belvin? That's awesome, man. It's great to hear from you, man. Long time no see. Yeah, haven't, there haven't been any festivals for me to spot you at or any wrestling shows. Exactly, man. It's been kind of low-key here. Hopefully we'll see at one pretty soon. But, um, you know, with, with Big Cat Country, like I love it because it combines, you know, football information and it combines satire sometimes as well. You know, and I'll be honest, when I played on the team, wasn't a fan of the satire too much, right? But but now that, I, you know, obviously I work in the media, but I'm also a fan, obviously, the Jacksonville Jaguars, man. I can't get enough of the satire. But my question to you is, how do you balance the satire with the actual football information? Usually it starts out um, in the in training camp and beginning of the season. It's very serious. And then when we can tell the season is going to turn, um, we're just kind of like, all right, well, it's time to have some fun. So it it ended up like it wasn't always like that. But after, you know, season after season of bad and trying to not only be a fan, but also be objective, because I want people to take it as like our honest opinions as, you know, evaluations more so than just were fans that, you know, write stuff. So I wanted it to kind of combine being fans and being taken seriously. So it, it just ended up being like getting super jaded and like, okay, this is how it's going to be entertaining when they're bad is to just make a bunch of jokes. Are you like the most polarizing guy in town? I mean, because your Twitter <laughs> mentions sometimes. Probably. <laughs> I think, well, I talked about this with Cap and with Dilla on their podcast that a, a long time ago, like, I realized, like, I don't care if people hate me. They're not actually mad at me. They're more so mad at the team because they're not very good, and I'm saying they're not very good. So I get the brunt of the criticism, and I just took it like everyone needs somebody to hate. So I'll just be that person. So it, it usually ends up being either people really love me or they really like me. So I, I think Austin will kind of relate to it as, you know, like somebody's got to be the heel. Oh, of course, man, without a doubt. And, you know, in terms of hate, sometimes that hate can actually trickle off of social media and actually transform into real life a little bit. I'm recalled. Am I crazy to think that some guy wanted to fight you last year after a Jaguars game? Was it Tampa Bay where a guy was trying to find uh, you after the game? Uh, that was the Kansas City Kansas game. City the game. Okay. game of the year. Okay. And as I'm sure most people know on Twitter, there's a running joke where we make fun of Bills fans all the time. <laughs> so there, was, someone posted like a video 
of like a chief tailgate and it was a bunch of people. And I was like, wow, even Buffalo had more people than this. Like just as a joke, as I'm wont to do. And apparently the guy got really, really mad about that. So he just kept tweeting me like all game because we were getting blown out. And I ended up leaving in the third quarter because it was super hot. And I was like, there's no point in this. Um, so I just, I was having fun with it and, you know, going back and forth with him. And then he wanted to fight me, I guess, because I made fun of his tailgate. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, meet me here. So I just started giving, like, random locations and, and all this. And he ended up going to the location for, like, a half hour and then realized I was just messing with him the whole time. So <laughs> he ended up that uh, that Leonard Fournette uh, gift that he it, it, alone in the room. Exactly. Yeah. What's that? From the Fresh Prince. Pretty much. Yeah, there we go. See, I knew I'd get to it eventually. Alfie Crow with us from Big Cat Country. How much has the site changed in terms of? I, I don't know what the right word is, uh, and uh, and I'm not trying to um, uh, be flippant here, but it, it, has it from a respect standpoint? How much has that part grown? And I'll give an example. Like, uh, I believe, and, and I'm a little ignorant to this, so you can clarify. You, you, I remember you used to go to training camps a bunch, but I don't think you would go to the games or in the locker room on a weekly basis. Like, you'd get credentials to go to camp, but not necessarily to games and stuff, uh, if I have that right. But that's even changed, I think, over the years, at least here in Jacksonville. I don't know if it's like that around the country and other NFL teams. But how much uh, are, are you guys now more of a respected source for football information, Jags information, and all the rest to fans? Uh, it's, I mean, way different than when I first took over. It took me for, it took me like three or four years to even get <clears throat> just camp credentials. And I think eventually I got those because camp was open to the public anyway. And I would just kind of sit in the stands and live tweet everything anyway. <laughs> and so eventually I think I kind of wore Dan Edwards down um, and, and he gave it to me. And I kind of earned it in that what I was doing, I showed him I was being serious about it. I wasn't just, you know, a fan trying to get access and ask for autographs and all that. So I did um, I did at one point have like full credentials. I had a, another job on top of this, so I couldn't go every day during the week, but I would go to the games. I would go to the press conferences after the games, but for what I needed, that wasn't necessary. So I haven't done it in a while. We have Demetrius who goes, <clears throat> who goes there every day now, who kind of does the beat part. But, um, no, it, it's, if I asked for credentials, I think I would get full credentials. So, cause I've, I've had them in the past there. I just haven't had the, the need for them for myself. So. Alfie, you know, and I'm, I'm about to ask you a question here. I mean, no disrespect whatsoever. Oh, come on, bring okay. It. I mean, no You're disrespect. You're six six two forty five. You can disrespect no, anybody no, you want. Brad, no disrespect, man. I'm, you know, I'm an easygoing guy. And keep in mind, Alfie I, can take it. He says he doesn't no, mind being man, the heel. No, good, man. But keep in mind, I, I have uh, I have friends that have played on the team, and I and I know friends that actually coach the team right now. But is there anything more bland in the entire world than being an Iowa football fan? <laughs> I mean, I. <laughs> I don't know how to take that. We, I thought we were very general about retiring Barry Alvarez. Oh, no, here's, here's what I'm talking about from the Iowa football perspective. You guys are good. You guys are always good. You guys churn out draft prospects and all that stuff. 
But let's be honest, you know, in terms of Big Ten titles and all that, eh, hasn't really been there in a while. So he like, did like Epinesa in this draft. And, you know, you know, I felt about pretty highly about him, too. But my question is, like, what's it like to be the Iowa football fan, man? Because, like, the offense, not really explosive. Defense, obviously, is, is always tough and durable and things like that. But it's not really the sexiest team to cheer for in college football. It is not. Um, I will thank my father for that because he is from Iowa City. Um, but the one thing I do have is I get kind of lost in some of the college offenses now because they're all over the place. And I know if I sit down to watch an Iowa football game, I'm going to get, you know, 11 personnel, power eye. I know exactly what I'm going to get, and I know how to follow everything that's going on. Alfie Crow with us from Big Cat Country. Uh, by the way, how many times when I first got here in 08, I felt like every three months Kirk Ferentz was coming to be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wait, right that was always the, there. Yeah, right after the Cowers stuff, right? Cowers got a house and Ferentz is coming to be the next head coach. Well, I know he was pegged for an NFL guy, which makes perfect sense forever. But I think he kind of has a lifetime job there because they're good like every two, three years, and that's all they really care about there. I think Gene Smith, too, was pretty close uh, with Ferentz. I think there was a lot of ties there uh, that people kind of at least assumed that could happen. All right, uh, it, you you have a family. Are, are you a lot nicer of a guy than people portray you to be? <laughs> um, I'm sure people who have met me quite a bit will tell you that I am a very nice person. Um, it's just I'm very sarcastic, and I make a lot of jokes which in text form does not come across well all the time. <laughs> and you don't back down. No, no, I do not back down. That is, that is one of my, uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Yeah, uh, that's all right. Sometimes that can be a good thing. Uh, but, man, you've got an affinity for the kitchen. I, I see you tweet out a lot of food things. Uh, I do, are you well, quite the cook? I, I do cook most all the meals for our family. Now that we're quarantined, I have a lot of extra time at the house. Um, and I'm on a, a very strict diet right now, so I have to basically cook everything myself, um, which is great because I love to cook. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not to brag, but I'm pretty good in the kitchen. By the way, <laughs> I am not at all, but I tried something last night. What would you get? And that we cooked the steaks. Usually I cook steak on the grill. Yeah. You probably know this, Alfie, but I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, ignorant I mean, to it. Uh, but people cook steaks on the grill. That's well, not usually crazy. No, yeah. no, but instead, so we got a pretty thick steak. Okay. And uh, we cooked talking it about in a the, strip or a ribeye? Uh, it was uh, actually a sirloin. Oh, okay. um, and it, so it wasn't anything crazy like yeah. that. But we cooked it in the oven mm -hmm. at like 275 degrees for 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. We let it sit, and then we seared it on the for a minute on each side. And it was the best steak I've ever cooked. Isn't that called the reverse sear, if I'm not mistaken? That might that be it. That is correct. It, it's I've the never, reverse sear. I've never tried it, and I like my steak medium rare. Yeah. And it was the best... I've ever cooked it. I, like I now, I was looking into buying one of those crazy grills, like uh, the Great Egg or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I'll cook the steak again. Well, first of all, here you don't have to lie to the listeners, though. Okay, it, it was definitely either filet mignon or Kobe beef no, or something like it that. Wasn't, it was you, you have a fireplace at your house, okay? I know what kind of steaks you bring on the table. It was. And it wasn't sirloin. It okay? was sirloin <laughs> cap from uh, Costco. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> it was. Right. I'm not lying, right. but all it was right. really good. So there you go. Uh, I guess I was trying to give you a cooking tip, and that didn't work. You already know. 
No, I, I, like, I like to do uh, sear them in the cast iron and then put it in the oven for at 500 for a few minutes. And there you go. Reverse oh, sear takes too long for me. All right. Hey, we're going to get you uh, at least some part of football, and then we got to roll out of here. We're getting close to 6 o'clock. We appreciate you jumping on. Alfie Crow from Big Cat Country. We celebrate the Jags and the fans, and this is a site where the fans go, so uh, we appreciate Alfie and Bold City Cap, John Caputo, for coming on. We figured out somewhat who Edilla is today, yeah, yeah. Uh, a little bit at least. And, uh, He's we not had, Dave Caldwell's burner. No, we, <laughs> we interrogated the heck out of him, and I'm not sure we got anywhere. But uh, it was fun hanging out with uh, all of you guys today. Well, how do you feel about the football team, man? I mean, it's been a lot of negativity outside of 17. They're obviously reloading it again or trying to. Uh, how do you feel about what they're doing, what they've done this offseason? Um, I like the draft. I thought their free agency moves made a lot of sense. Um, but to be perfectly honest, I have no idea what to expect this season. Um, I'm a fan of Minshew. I thought I, I agree with Austin in that I think people are – underrating what he accomplished last year because he was a six-round pick. They assume it's a flash in the pan. But if he had been a top-ten pick, I think everyone would be super excited for the next step. Um, So I'm real curious, and I'm hopeful, and I do think that they're going to give him the keys next year to see what they have. Um, But really, I mean, I have no idea. The team has changed so much. Um, I don't even know if they're going to run a 4-3 or 3-4 front or if they're going to run a mix of both or, you know, who the running backs are going to be, if Fournette's still going to be on the team, what the offensive line is going to look like. So it's it's kind of wild to think about how much it's changed in, in just a year. I kind of like the idea that philosophies are changing. Now, with these times, that might be a dangerous thing. Uh, one more for me, at least, uh, oh. before we rock out of here. How much are you a film guy? Like, have you learned the game a lot through film? I have. I am. I haven't written about it in forever because, I'll be honest, everyone says they want you to do that analysis and write it, but no one reads it. Huh. Interesting. Uh, interesting. I you- love I love doing it, but it's it's a total time sink. What is the most read thing? Like, what what do people want? Like on Big Cat Country, what are, what are they reading? What are they clicking on? They care about jersey numbers and <laughs> trade rumors. Yeah, yeah. No All doubt. Right. Note to self: so, I'm not going to do any more homework and try to break plays down because no one cares about it. Well, that's yeah. made, well, made, made, made my job a lot more easier. <laughs> They'll listen and watch it. They just won't read it. I got yeah, you. I got you. That makes sense. And, uh, and that means Dilla is making a lot of moves on, on Big Cat Country. For sure. Trade rumors. There for he sure. is. Find the inside scoop. Uh, Alfie Crow for Big Cat Country. Thanks, man. Thanks for hanging out. Hope you have a good weekend. Hope you and the family are doing well during this time. Thank you. Hope you guys are doing good. All All right, right. We'll uh, see you around, man. Good catching up with yeah. you. And uh, big wrestling guy. Oh, yeah, big wrestling guy. You've seen him at the big festival guy. Oh, yeah, man. I see him every once in a while. The he, players a- hate some of that stuff. What's that? Do they read the players well, know so, big cat so country? Thing, to and, put- I, and I was going to kind of dive in this a little bit. So, like, when I was a player, like, I knew who Elfie was, right? And then I knew who big cat country was. And, like, coming up, obviously you have preconceived notions, right? Like, nobody wants your best interest. And as a player, you're kind of guarding everything. So, like... Looking back on it now, man, like, I don't really have a lot of regrets, but I wish I would have been a lot more open to those big cat country guys when I played because they're actually really cool dudes. You know, like you saw Leonard Fournette go to the Zoom call. There's a reason because they're actually, they're cool people. Like, yeah, they talk, you know, about football and sometimes they break it down analytically and sometimes maybe you don't agree with what they're saying, 
But they're cool people. They're, they're, they're genuine people. And anytime you have that, I think it's a pretty cool thing. So. We had a cap, a Dylan, and an Alfie on the show today. We yeah, appreciate man. them all jumping on. That was kind of fun today. Happy uh, Friday, bringing by in the way, the Brigade bro. and the Jags fans. And hope you have a great weekend uh, tonight. Check out that Alex Smith story. Probably be a good one. And also the last dance on oh. Sunday. We'll be back here Taking on it off. Monday. You can check Tony us out. Tony episode, Brent, coming up. Can't wait. <laughs> you can check us out on TV all weekend long, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Have a good one, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.